Welcome to the Forest FM podcast, episode 130. I'm Killian Vigna. And I'm Zoe Belil Springer. This week on the show, we're joined by Forest Education Manager Sean O'Sullivan to discuss all things staff targets, how to set them, get employee buy-in, create collaboration, and more. So grab yourself a cup of coffee, sit back, relax, and join us weekly for all your salon's business and marketing needs. Good morning, Zoe. Good morning, Killian. So everyone's favorite, staff targets. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose there's no real beating around the bush with this one, is there? I suppose, yeah. Meetings and targets, they tend to be the two uh, two topics that kind of get people twitching a little bit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we just thought, like, we've done an episode very recently. What was it? Episode 119? You were, you were saying it just there a minute ago. Episode 119, where we discussed the A, B and C players in your salon or in any business, really. But we didn't go too much into staff targets. And I mean, like... I've staff targets, I'm pretty sure you've staff targets, everyone in our business has staff targets. And it's something that you just get so used to doing, but you kind of forget to step back and ask, where do these targets come from? Yeah, and there's so many different ways of setting them as well. Like if I just look at my role, for instance, in Forest, I think we've tried and tested about three or four different methods for staff targets, like either KPIs or OKRs or all these different like marketing targets that that you'd have so there's so many different things that you can do um and then also like we like you were just saying with episode 119 most of our guidelines most of our handbooks and stuff are made for the 80 percent for the people who need those staff targets like you only have say maybe 20 percent of your staff who will always reach whatever you give them you know the high performers, the A players. It's not always like that for everyone. A lot of people need guidance. Well, like, I would pretty much say that a fair chunk of your team would need guidance as well. Otherwise, they'd be out setting up their own businesses. Like, it's just exactly. not for everyone. <laughs> not everyone <laughs> has that, like, I suppose driver is on that level and for most people that do try they burn out very fast <laughs> yes absolutely yeah so I, mean, I suppose it doesn't come at a better time this episode because we launched salon retail week last year for the very first time it stemmed from the 30 days to grow challenge so this one is obviously just a week long and uh, it starts on monday and obviously with retail you're gonna want to set targets right so without further ado, let's welcome Sean O'Sullivan. Listen, thank you so much for joining us today uh, on such a short notice as well. <laughs> Very appreciated. <laughs> my pleasure, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. He's sitting here beside me and I can see that he's, it's killing him sitting there for the three minutes and not saying anything. <laughs> absolutely dying to just get into it. We had a quick chat about this this morning and he was spitting stuff off and I was looking at him going, oh, I'm only just like paraphrasing. I'm going, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this man is eager to get into it today. So, Sean, I suppose, do you want to give a bit of an introduction about yourself? Yeah, sure, I suppose so. So, as they were saying at the start, I'm Forest Education Manager, so I look after the education globally for Forest. And before Forest, where I've been for the last two years, I spent almost 10 years working across retail and restaurants. So I was a general manager for restaurants before coming into Forest. So as I'm sure you'll have the same in the beauty industry, restaurants are very target driven. So it became my day in, day out was targets, targets, targets. 
so I suppose the next question we're going to ask is, why are we talking about staff targets? Because I don't know when I turned to you yesterday and said, do you want to be on the show? It was pretty much the first thing that came to mind. So, like, you obviously, just, this seems to be a bit of a passion for you. <laughs> it definitely is. It definitely is. And I think it comes from, it's such a, people can be very nervous about staff targets, especially when it comes to underperformers, that they don't want to upset them or they want to keep it very private. And for me, and all through my working history, I've been very open about staff targets, both myself. I want people to know if I'm doing good or if I'm doing bad. And as a business owner or a business manager, I want my staff to be performing to targets because it makes it more profitable. It makes the business flow better. And especially when done correctly, it really brings a really high level of morale across your team. It makes them driven and they really enjoy coming to work. Whereas I found quite strange when you don't have targets, in the end, a lot of those teams end up becoming quite demoralized or they become bored in their work. So targets really give a lot of incentive and drive to teams. That's why I'm so passionate about them. Well, it helps you. Like We were talking about complacency just a few episodes ago, and it helps you not become complacent, really. Exactly. And even for what you were saying about an episode uh, 119 um, with your A players, it's very easy for an A player to not be an A player if they're not driven by targets and you're not making them achieve because everyone can step it up more than they're currently delivering. And I think we've all been in that situation. Like we've all had different jobs. Some are target driven, some are you just go to work and you do your day to day. They're the ones you get bored of very fast. I've noticed like there's always that whole thing with targets of oh, I've got targets in my job and I have to hit them consistently. But that's actually the one that keeps you on, on your toes. That's the one that makes every day, I suppose, different and interesting where when you go in and you don't have targets it's like what are you like what are you achieving what are you kind of like I don't know how are you progressing like professionally how are you developing if you're not hitting targets and to be able to have someone to set out fair targets for you as well yeah 100% so if you're in a business and you're setting targets with uh, say a staff member but you've never actually seen this person perform before how do you even go about setting a target you can get really detailed. It's a really good question. We can get really detailed into how to set targets for people. And I'm also one of the data people for Forest, so believe me, you can create as many spreadsheets as you want. And <laughs> there's so many variables in, in how you can come up with targets. But if you keep it really simple, especially for a new staff member that's client-facing, the best thing to do is to work it off how much you're paying them. So to keep it very, very simple, if you're paying someone $10 an hour, you want them to be getting at least $40 an hour in revenue so that you know they're making money for you. And why it would be four times whatever they're earning is so you have a quarter of that is going towards your wages, a quarter of that is going towards your cost of goods, a quarter of that is your overheads, and the last quarter then is for anything miscellaneous and so you have profit for yourself. So it's a really good measure when someone's starting as their initial target. And then very quickly, you'll get to know what they can actually achieve. Maybe they're doing double that, so it's much easier for you to get to grips with it at the start. Keep it simple and just quadruple whatever you're paying them per hour. So how, how often then should you be kind of doing these staff reviews? Like you've got your new staff member in. I know with us we have quite regular huddles and we do kind of the weekly or the bi-weekly and then the monthly huddles. Is that the normal? Like should every business be doing them that regular or are we doing them regular enough? Completely. I think we almost don't do them regular enough, uh, <laughs> say at Forest. The, with, I always find with staff targets, especially when you can see how everyone else is performing, 
the more often and the more frequent you can do them, the better. So when I was in restaurants, every single day at the start of your shift, you get everyone together, talk about the performance, you know, for the month to date, for the la- for last week, the current week, and how you want to do today. So it gets you into the rhythm of talking about the performance of the business. Because with staff targets, not only are you looking to, for, to get people performing, you also want them to buy into the business mm-hmm. of why this is important. Tie it into your client journey, your client satisfaction. So when you're looking at something like like we were in the last question on uh, a dollar value target, how you're doing that is providing excellence and service to your clients by recommending the right products. And it's tying those things together in your reviews every single day that makes it so important. Your targets should be the lifeblood of your business and like a constant with all of your staff. So yeah, daily huddles are one of my favorite things to do, get everyone together and update them. And then on a one-to-one basis, I would do that once a month, once a quarter, at the very minimum once a quarter, so that everyone knows how they're performing. You never want someone to be surprised if they're not performing. They should always know where they are, and it keeps them on their toes as well. Once a quarter nearly sounds too long as well. Yeah, yeah, that's the, that's why I, that's as far out <laughs> as I would go. Like yeah. even once a month is probably. It doesn't need to be like an hour, two hour long meeting. Literally, it could be a fifteen minute catch up once a week, once a month. That's all you need to do. It's just keeping that tiny bit of communication. And I think with a lot of managers, that's why they don't talk to their staff because they think of it as a large time investment. Whereas if you're only spending 10, 15 minutes just updating quickly your staff member when they're coming in for the day, that's a really good use of that time. So yeah, it's, it's something we don't do enough of, I think. So we mentioned at like the start of the show, staff targets can be something that make people twitch a little bit. You know, I, I can imagine like the little eye twitch emoji on our Slack, right? But seriously, like high performing workspaces sometimes, you know, well, first of all, they're great because it forces everyone to, you know, better themselves and really kind of go for the higher achievements. But sometimes it can become really easy to slip into a negative way of talking about targets of performance. Like everybody just feels the stress and then everybody's performance actually just gets hindered by it. So, yeah, really easy thing to happen with staff targets um, for them to become a negative in the workplace. So it requires a lot of work, as with everything to do with staff, really, in fostering that culture of acceptance and encouragement to stop staff targets becoming a negative. So one thing that we would do is don't just set targets for people. The targets for each person should be set in conjunction with them. So you'll always have your selling targets, but every person should also have their individual targets. You would never expect a junior stylist to perform to the same level as a master stylist. So you should always set different targets for them. And it's agreeing with those people what those targets are and helping them develop towards them. So that's the first step in stopping targets becoming negative in the workplace. So it shouldn't just be that this is for like the financial gain of the business, even though at the end of the day, of course, it's going to make the business more profitable, which is exactly what everyone wants. It needs to be tied into their own development. So it's better service. They're providing better retail advice to clients. It's tied into something personal for that person. So that that part of staff targets is incredibly powerful with your team. It's not just talking about them every single day. There's a full journey in setting staff targets and staff development all comes into effective targets within the business. And if you do feel that the staff targets are starting to have a negative vibe in the salon, sit your team down and be very open with them. Open communication and honest communication is the most powerful thing you have in any workplace worldwide. So having that conversation with your staff and asking for feedback, what is not working with these targets that is creating a negative atmosphere? Are they set too high? Are they unrealistic? Or 
Are they just feeling too much pressure on those targets? And then work with them for a plan on how to make it better. So keeping that communication flowing so you don't get this they're the management and we're the staff. You want it to be a kind of symbiotic relationship. So communication for staff targets is the most powerful thing to stop it becoming a negative. So what about then actually creating the staff target, like not what we talked about at the start of the show, but more like you're the salon owner or the manager, surely you have a better idea of what targets you want to set than the staff member you want to set the targets for. So do you just approach the staff member and say, here's your targets? Because you mentioned about getting a little bit of feedback about uh, from the staff members. Are they too hard? Why isn't it working? But should you actually work with them to create the targets in the first place? Completely. You absolutely should. So there's a bit of pre-work as well before you get to setting targets with your staff members. In Forest, for example, we have our three values. We have a can-do attitude, growth mindset and service kehintuk, which guide everything that we decide as a company. And in conjunction with that, we have our business growth metrics. So we already have them at the start of the year or in this case, you know, in the next few months when we're coming to decide what will targets be for 2020. So using those with your team as the kind of the grid to what your targets could be. So for instance, in Forest for Service Gehintuk, which is excellence in service for anyone who doesn't speak fluent Irish. <laughs> um, so this would be applicable to our support and education teams. So you would rate your training or your support call at the end of it. So we might go to our team and say, okay, for Service Gehintuk for 2020, what could you target yourself on to show that you're delivering Service Gehintuk to our clients? And invariably, they're going to come back with support call ratings or the average support call rating and give you a figure. So it's not that it's a free-for-all. Of course, that wouldn't make any sense in any, any business. You're giving them the framework and leading them towards what kind of KPIs you'd be looking for. So in a salon environment, what you would break it down to, in most cases, now I'm sure there would be differences, you'd have your services and you have your retail. So when you're looking at that, if, if you want to be excellence in retail um, tied into amazing hair quality, more than likely, the staff are going to come back with something tied to percentage retail sales or dollar retail sales per customer. So they're already going down the right path to targets. And when you're looking at what value they should be, you should already have your data from whatever your point of sale software is, what your last year's figures were, what it was per person. So they can use them as a guideline. And it would be very, very rare. Now, it might happen. It'd be very, very rare for a staff member to give themselves a target lower than what they did the year before. Because you want them working in a group together, what tends to happen in group environments is that they'll try and up themselves to be more in line with the group. So someone who was much lower than last year will invariably give themselves a higher target. The last part of that then, after you've kind of done your group consultation, is your one-to-one with each staff member because you also want to guide them. If someone you feel has given themselves a target that they're probably not going to be hitting next year, you want to help them decide a lower target than that. And if you feel that a high performer is undervaluing themselves, you want to question them and ask them why don't they think they could stretch themselves and achieve higher. So again, it comes down to communication and making sure that it's the staff member that's agreeing these targets with you, not you just telling the staff member what these targets are. Because if you do just tell them the target and they're unhappy with it, they'll more than likely not hit that target and or have a negative outlook towards those targets in the coming year. So when you're looking at the increase then, is it as simple as kind of going, well, last year you did X, this year you're doing Y, the year-in-year -year growth, and then you're going to use that year-in-year -year percentage uh, to... Like, is it, like, just off the top of my head, I'm going, yeah, that seems simple, but <laughs> your face tells me a lot more. It comes down to, really, the type of work that we do. 
So if I'm a stylist and my utilization is 90%, targeting me with 95, probably completely unrealistic because the amount of work that they're already doing is really, really high. Mm -hmm. So it's not always the targets can increase. It's the same with dollar value. You can't increase the dollar value every single year unless you increase prices as a business for a very experienced staff member who generally is very busy the likelihood of them increasing their sales value for services is probably quite low so you want to look at you need to be reasonable as well with your targets if i'm already achieving really good utilization really good service value like i'm maximizing my clients you need to look at other targets you could give to this person so if that person is already achieving really the goals of your business, the top performer, you need to start then looking at, okay, what other things can they do that will contribute to the business? And for a person like that, personally, I'd be saying, okay, here's Amanda, she's a junior stylist, I want you to mentor her this year. So as well as maintaining your normal targets, I want you to be responsible for bringing her up to your level, or, you know, close enough to her level, maybe not the same in one year, probably a bit too much. So yeah, target, it can be quite difficult to decide what targets to build. As a business, it's a bit easier. You can definitely use percentage growth year on year because you have more control over that. You could hire more stylists or maybe open a second unit. You know, there's a lot of scope for expanding. When you're looking at individual performance in a service-based industry, there's only so much you'd be able to target them on. So it starts looking into, for the top performers, different ways of expanding on their capabilities, bring them up to the next level because everyone wants to be advancing in their life. That makes sense, and you're increasing their responsibilities too. Exactly, exactly. But then as a salon owner, you need to really have that mindset of allowing those high performers to to do that, because if, if you have, and I don't want to say poor culture, but you know, if you have a culture that isn't as strong as it could be, people tend to compete against each other. I think it comes down to leading by example. Changing culture is one of the most difficult things you can do as a business because culture is ingrained from the very start and it's a daily habit. Very, very difficult to change that. And it starts by making small changes. So it's that first meeting on targets. And even if you'll, you, and you probably will if you have a poor culture, get um, a bit of kickback on it to persevere and just to keep doing it. It might take three months, six months, or even a year, but you need to keep communicating to your staff and leading by example in those changes. Because of course, if cultural change doesn't come from the top, it's never going to change as a business. So it really needs to be, if buy-in from the top level all the way down to your stylists. And it comes down to your hiring as well. So when you decide if you do have a culture that can be improved, that you want to change your culture drastically or even Uh, like a minor bit, when you're hiring new people, you need to ensure, which we do really well in Forest, you need to ensure that all of those new hires fit to the culture of your business. So we'd have someone, a great example is actually, which I would encourage everyone to use when looking at staff, is the values and performance matrix. So it's a really good grid. One axis is your values as a company. The other axis is performance. So really, you want everyone that's really high in values, really high in performance. In an they, ideal world, yeah. In an ideal <laughs> world, exactly. Wouldn't we all love these, these A players across the business? But then there's two areas where most of your staff will fall into, where they have high values and low performance, or they have high performance and low values. So as a business for your culture, the most dangerous person you can have is someone who's high performing and low values because they will not deliver what you want them to and in general will kick back against your cultural changes. So values becomes ever more important 
as a company. You're delivering an experience at the end of the day. And in order to deliver that experience, you want people around you who have the same values as you do. So getting those people around you with those values and leading by example when you're going through a cultural change will really help you in buy-in staff targets, in collaboration, and in building a really open and honest team. Would you include any motivating factors into targets? So, like, if you've hit your target, any sort of rewards, benefits, commission? Because not everyone offers commission. That depends, I think, on the culture you already have. So I've I've been in a lot of different business units somewhere like someone giving monetary rewards as an incentive really works well because the team has such a strong bond. You don't get what can often happen when you give money as a reward for targets is that people will start deliberately or just subconsciously sabotaging their colleagues so that they get the reward and their colleagues don't. So what type of rewards you give does depend a lot on culture. Personally, I've always been against giving monetary rewards for targets. I think it's much better to give experiences as an award for targets. So as an example, when I was working in restaurants, so waiters and everything, we get tips and they share them. So they have that side as a reward already. But we had our targets as a business. So we didn't want to give um, money as a reward for achieving those because it tended to create a bad atmosphere among waiters. So what we did, which can be used in the hair and beauty industry as well, we would go to a local business like another restaurant or a cinema or a hotel and say, I'll give you 100 euro of vouchers for our restaurant if you give me 100 euro voucher for your hotel or for your cinema. And then we could give them to our staff as rewards. So it costs us nothing as a business, really, because we're getting more customers from the hotel or restaurant or cinema. So win-win for us. And we're giving our staff the opportunity to have an experience. So if you give someone money, the likelihood of them remembering what they've done with that money is quite small. If you're giving them the chance to go out to a restaurant with their loved one or a friend or go to the cinema or the theatre, whatever it might be, they'll have well, hopefully, they'll have good memories of that experience and are going to tie that back into work. So it's creating positive um, experiences tied to your workplace, um, which I think is far more powerful than giving someone just money as reward. We can spend money on anything. It might be your Christmas shopping. That's where you spend your like bonus money on over or Christmas. Bills. Exactly. Or bills, you know, everyone's favorite thing to spend money on. I worked really hard for that target to pay for my internet. Exactly. Exactly. So you could see just what you've said there, not going to happen. Whereas, to be honest, like myself, I would rarely go out to a restaurant for dinner. I normally prep all my meals for the week. Very boring, I know. And at the weekend, because we're out and about a lot, would still tend not to go to restaurants. So getting a restaurant voucher as a reward actually makes me put the time aside with my husband to go out and have dinner together. So I've already created that really nice experience from, oh, I did really good in work, they've rewarded me, and I tie that back in. It keeps me motivated to continue achieving my targets. And now your husband's at you to work harder. Exactly, exactly. Now I have to work <laughs> even harder to get more restaurant ventures. <laughs> I love that. But in fairness, though, we're talking about incentivizing targets and, and such. And just this week, I got a leadership nudge by David L. Marquette through my emails. He was explaining the ABCs of human behavior. And he talked about three dimensions that would have a positive impact on seeing those good patterns, good behavior repeat, that you had to reward those good behaviors by something positive immediately and every single time. How do you go then about publicly 
praising high performers or staff that are achieving targets in front of lower performers? Is that not demoralizing? It's a good question. And what I always used to do with performers, because you'll always have really high performers and it's so easy to praise a high performer because they're probably always beating their targets. They're really like pulling in the cash and the rave reviews for your business. So really easy to to praise what they're doing and very easy to forget those people that aren't uh, performing as well as they are. And I think it's looking at everyone's individual achievements. You're completely right in what you were saying, that you need to praise in the moment. One of the most powerful things that we had when, and this was back in the days when people used to write reviews on little like hand cards in the restaurants, (laughs) was one of our staff members who'd never really, kind of middle of the road, performance-wise, got one in and just immediately gathering all the team together in the back of the kitchen mid-service rush and just saying congratulations for getting this really good review in and reading the review out loud that really motivated that person so it's not just praising your high performers when they're reaching their targets the small achievements and rewarding good behavior in even a small incremental change in a low performer's performance will really help them to keep pushing towards their targets. Because you're right, it can be very demotivating when you're a bit far away from your target. So when they start exhibiting positive behavior, encouraging that in any little way you can is super important. And if you've developed your team culture strong enough, people will actually be supporting each other. Exactly. And that's what you want to get to, where the high performers are automatically like listening in to what low performers are saying when they're talking to clients, giving them tips and tricks. And the low performers as well coming and listening to, OK, what are they saying when I'm like finishing up with the client? How are they cashing the client out? Or what are they saying to get them rebooked in? Building that culture of it's almost like um, Amazon's culture of fail fast forward. You want them to keep trying new things and keep trying new things and not being afraid of making a mistake or failing, but that they keep trying and learning and developing themselves to achieve a new level. So I think that part is is really important in a team culture. So what happens then, in your personal opinion, if, say, someone who isn't achieving their targets, you can tell that they're trying and trying and trying and you've been helping them and helping them and helping them, but it's still just not working. What do you do? It's a difficult situation and what I'm pretty sure every business at some stage is you're going to come up against it. Some person in your business at some point in time is going to be a poor performer and won't be able to improve. And I think that's when the values and matrix performance really comes into play. You need to weigh up how good their values are. Do their values and current performance, is that enough for your business? Because if their performance is so low that it's not sustainable for your business, it does come down to making that hard decision at the end of the day. As long as you've communicated effectively with them, you've set clear targets and goals, and you've done close to everything you can to develop that person and give them the tools to succeed, if they're still not succeeding, it does come down to that difficult call of, if it's a possibility, they might need to move to a different position within your business, or they might need to move on to another job. Now, what I would like to add onto that is by the time you're getting to this conversation, you should have already been discussing their performance against their targets and gone through development opportunities with them. So it shouldn't come as a surprise to the person. It'll only be a surprise to someone that they're underperforming and seriously underperforming if you haven't communicated regularly with them. The information's in front of you. It's not just your word against theirs to say, you know what, I don't think it's working out. I don't think you're performing. You, you can back up your reasons. Exactly, exactly. And I think it's something that we kind of start to miss out on with the amount of technology that we have today is those those people skills. Communication is still the most powerful medium we have 
as as a race. Um, we don't do it enough. We just go on to like Messenger or Slack in our case, instead of just being face to face with that person or like on video messaging, if you're in a different uh, different continent and having that honest conversation with someone should never be afraid to have an honest conversation with someone. It might get emotional. We shouldn't be scared of emotion or upsetting someone because at the end of the day, respect is built by being honest with someone else. Well, Sean, listen, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. I feel like it was definitely a much needed episode and it like we said, it ties in well with the episodes we had recently, 119, and with Retail Week as well. So thanks so much, Sean. No worries. Thanks for having me, guys. Increase your salon retail sales by 78%. Join hundreds of salon owners globally for a free seven-day challenge, helping you grow out of your comfort zone and boost retail profits. Salon Retail Week starts on August 19, 2019, and is brought to you by Forest Salon Software, a premium cloud-based salon software for three-plus employees. Get you and your team signed up. Visit salonretailweek.com for more details. Let's grow. Okay, moving on to the second half of the show, going to kick it off with the Forest Academy. So Forest Academy, we've just launched to all of our US clients. It's still in the beta testing mode. But what it is, is it's your one-stop education shop. It's an online learning portal full of fun, interactive and bite-sized self-taught courses covering each and every area of the forest system. You can learn on the go with the downloadable app. You'll have access to a library of regularly added and updated courses. You'll get to play around with interactive forest systems and most importantly you'll be able to download your forest academy certificate for each course so next on the inside forest segment we have a brand new webinar taking place on september 2nd at 11 a.m uk irish time and it's with salon business coach david barnett it's all about his three-step salon retail technique which has helped salons around the world smash their targets again and again if you don't know david of the high performance stylist he has spent a career working on some of the world's leading salons in the uk ireland and the us some of his work was featured on new york fashion week the grammys the mtv awards and he's even had his california salon chosen to do a pop-up for the super bowl 50 vips so here's the deal if you've listened to episode 52 of forced fm you'll have heard about this technique a little bit already. If you're taking part of Salon Retail Week, you'll get to know his technique. And this time around, September 2nd, is your chance to spend an hour deep diving into this technique. It's simple, achievable, and incredibly effective. This is not a webinar you want to miss. Next up, we have the Salon Owners Summit. So the Dublin flagship event and the Salon Owners Summit Roadshow. The first one of which is taking place in January 2020. So the Dublin flagship event, that is. We have our first main stage speaker and our first workshop speaker announced. The tickets are on sale you can request a call back for those and then we have the salon owner summit roadshow taking place in philadelphia on october 21st that is a monday the time of the event is from 9 a.m to 5 p.m all education and then we have a networking reception for five to seven it's taking place at the lucy like i said in philly and up until august 31st if you use the code early bird you can receive 15 percent off your ticket price so you can secure your tickets straight through the link in the episode's notes by the way everything that we mentioned here all the links are in those notes so do check them out the announced speakers for the salon owners summit roadshow at the minute are ashley tulliver williams olivia smalley jay williams rachel ringwood and josh Hafitz. so if you're based out of the u.s i would strongly recommend you check out this event all the information can be found on salon summit.com forward slash 
Philadelphia, and we look forward to seeing you there. Then we have the Salon Retail Week. We've been talking about it since the start of the episode. It has kicked off today. However, it is not too late to take part. You can register for free at salonretailweek.com. The idea for Salon Retail Week is that for seven days straight, you'll receive an email containing your retail task for the next day. Each task has been carefully crafted to get your products off of your shelves and into the hands of the people that need them most, aka your clients. This is a free collaborative event. It's designed for you and your team to work together and to help you see the impact that consistently selling retail can have on your overall business goals and targets. Of the participants who took part last year, on average, they increased their retail sales by 78%. Can you match that number or even exceed it this year? Let's find out. If you haven't signed up yet, do that today and join thousands of salons for the biggest retail week for your salon yet. Again, it's a free event. You don't need software to take part. All you need is a bit of motivation and a hunger for success. Finally, the Salon Mentorship Hub, as you all know, is always there available for you. We've teamed up with coaches and consultants to offer you a free 15 30 minute consultation on a topic of your choosing. If you're struggling with anything in the salon, head over to salonmentors.forest.com and have a look at who is there ready and available for you to help you see perhaps your challenge from a different perspective. And well, that's all we got for this week, guys. As always, if you want to share your thoughts on this episode or have any suggestions, send us an email at forest fm at forest.com or leave us a review on apple podcasts we genuinely love feedback and are always looking for ways to improve the show otherwise have a wonderful week and we'll catch you next monday all the best this episode was edited and mixed by audio z great music makes great moments montreal's cutting edge post-production studio for creative minds looking to have their vision professionally produced and mixed Forest FM, the Salon Owners podcast, is brought to you by Forest Salon Software. We help salon owners get their clients back in more often, spending more, and generating referrals. Let's grow.